Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Midwest Flyways podcast. Today's podcast is brought to you by Sound Gear, the absolute best hearing protection you can get on the market. Check them out at soundgear.com. They're based out of Minnesota. Well, and I tell you what, dude, it's not only just used for hunting, I use them in construction as well. When you're just pounding shingles into the roof, oh my God, Sound Gear saved my Yeah, don't ears. be your dad. Don't be your dad and <laughs> be aged 70 years past your prime by 45. Don't All be, right. don't be this. What? Huh? What'd you say? Don't be wearing hearing aids when you're 40. Exactly. Check out Soundgear. Bienvenidos a la Midwest Flyways podcast. Today we have um, Joey Ibasalo, and here you have Cal Ness, and across from the table here we have Mr. Jake Whiteman. Say hello to everyone. Hello, everyone. We've got the most northern Minnesotan man in Minnesotan. Yep. In Minnesota. 70 miles from the Canadian border, you bet. He's a honker-killing, crane-killing, snow goose fluffing motherfucker there you go down baby let's go feet down take (laughs) them that ain't my thing joe usually rip (laughs) them dude just say mallards for everyone okay uh mallard duck no 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 how you say it to me when you when you're talking on the phone joey let's go kill some mallards (laughs) he goes Joe, you out there killing any mallards? You mallards? out there killing any? Joseph. <laughs> Joseph and his anyway, do you know? Do you know which button it is, Cal? It's the yellow button. It's the yellow button? What do you think about that call in there, Jake? I liked it. Was it me or was it you? It was me. Oh, yeah. It sounded pretty good, Joe. I can't lie. The first time I heard you call, I I got off on it a little bit. Finally, a guy can blow a goose call. There you go. What do you think about me, Joe? I was, I was, that was one of the things I was going to talk about on the podcast. There's Minnesota is known for its goose hunting and goose calling and whatever. Mm-hmm. If you're a goose guide or anything in Minnesota, you're probably a pretty good goose caller. Yeah. Should be anyways. And Jake fits that bill pretty well. And it's not just he can blow all the notes and he sounds cool to humans, Cal. It's uh, he knows when to do it. And it's like, it's never like crazy fancy, but it's always the perfect timing. And it's, it sounds so good. Mm -hmm. It's pretty fun. I'm just wondering how long we're going to jerk each other off before the podcast starts. Well, don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Why? Did you see my hands go under the table or what? Oh, no. Jake yeah, and busted. you were complimenting him for so long while you were doing it. Okay. I love making a goose do things that they don't want to do. Exactly. We were just talking no, about this I'm, in the truck. I'm totally kidding. I know. I, like I know. Okay. Joe, though, too. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you started it. No, there's just, there's what Jake and I were talking about yesterday in the truck was, um, it's just uh, making a bird do something that they wouldn't normally do without you calling and having the decoy spread that you need. It's just phenomenal. Yeah, we're talking about running traffic or an X or something like that. And obviously, we all get off on Xs. Birds doing it feet down, doing it right, coming to the X. But there's something about whether it's migrating snow geese or migrating honkers or running traffic on whatever fall you're hunting, making a bird do something that they don't want to do. And uh, I don't know. I, 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 I really love to see... You know, making a bird do something that they don't want to do, whether, you know, I'm blowing our goose calls like we're talking or whatever, um, being able to talk to them, um, especially it helps with somebody else in the blind to uh, break a couple off and put them feet down on the spread. But um, are you like a guy then that would say you'd rather just smash an X or would you have rather have like a pretty good hunt 
on a traffic field that maybe the odds were kind of stacked against you? Um, I don't know. That goes both ways, Cal, I guess. Uh, like I said, everyone loves a good X hunt, a, a sure thing in the morning, or at least as sure as it can get, you know. But mm-hmm. when it's it's more so the, the feeling of success when the morning's coming and you couldn't get on the X and you are hunting a traffic field and you not sure of your hopes for the morning and all of a sudden in the morning you set a spread and it all works out in your favor and yeah. it may you kill limit maybe you're a few short of your limit maybe you don't kill your limit but that one flock just does it right for you you know so it's big success in a traffic hunt even if you don't kill your limit just the birds that you killed you know as opposed to an x hunt you're more suspecting you you expect to kill your limit right kind of, you right. know and that's so um, do you go home happier after a smash X hunt or happier after you had like a great hunt on a traffic field? Uh, it's hard to say. I mean, I just, uh, <laughs> it's different for you probably because you're a, guiding. A, a, so like, well, a bad day of hunting is better than a good day out, you know, of, of anything of else work or whatever. Yeah. I guess, um, I go happy. I go home happy all the time. You know, yeah. it, it just don't matter to me. I just enjoy being out there with everybody, but, but you're also hunting a lot with your girlfriend. So it makes sense why you always go home happy after a day hunting. You know, yeah, you can't, <laughs> it's hard to go home. <laughs> not happy. If I'm not happy, I'll you be guys, happy. <laughs> you guys have the doubled up layout blind too, or what? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the sleeper blind. Yeah, side by side there. For sure. Yeah. That's dope. Dude, I'm dying to get one of those, honestly. Yeah, things get slow. There's no middle wall, so you have <laughs> all kinds of room for activities. It's wild. <laughs> all right, so I know you hunt bear, too. Yeah. What's your favorite? Now, like, let's go specific. So, like, favorite thing to hunt. So, like, it's not just waterfowl. Like, let's say, like, snow geese or bear or... So, yeah, I hunt it all. But if I had to pick one thing and one thing only to hunt, it'd definitely be a snow goose for sure. That's so fucked up, Lights dude. Lights out. Yeah. You're so fucked That's up. That's how you know he's just bonkers. Yeah, that the guy's mentally insane. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I don't know. A successful snow goose hunt, there is nothing better than killing an adult snow goose close. Obviously, juvies are fun, too, but... Um, Fooling snow geese, there's nothing There's nothing harder than it. There's just nothing harder than decoying a snow goose, you know. Uh, so what I was going to say, is it more so like the, the no limit, huge spreads, well, or, is it, or is it just the fact that like if when you win, it's a huge fucking win? Um, so, yeah, that all comes into factor, I guess. So when you're winning, um, you have no limit, and you have extended mags on and huge spreads, and it's just an absolute riot because when you do win – you don't got to quit killing them, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's, that's what's great. And the thing about honkers or cranes or whatever, there's obviously bad hunts and good hunts, but you get them good. Well, I was just talking to a guy here today and we're talking about opening day last year and he's like, killed our limit, four man limit in 10 minutes. I'm just like, yeah, it's too fast, isn't Mm -hmm. it? You know, and it's just, sit back and relax or kill your limit in 10 minutes and go home and drink coffee. And it's just, I don't know. I love sitting there trying to trick a snow goose and when they're doing it, yeah, you don't got quit. Right. So do you think then that the Minnesota goose limit going from three birds to five, do you like that or do you wish it hadn't changed? Um, I think personally, obviously I'm no biologist or anything like that, but um, I see the honker population spread across the entire North America. I don't see no reason why we can't kill five. You know, there's there's absolutely no reason we can't kill five. The amount of resident birds we have hatching and everything like that, there's plenty to go around for everybody to kill five. Mm. Um, so we've never seen a decline in the population whatsoever. It's always been slowly inclining On the up, up and up. Yeah. Um, so I just, I don't see why we can't be at five all the time. You kind of look like a biologist, though. 
You know, with the glasses. Thought about it, Joe. Thought about it, but. <laughs> just wasn't for you. Didn't go that way. No. No. Yeah. No. What, out of all the places that you've hunted, because I know you've spent a lot of time up in Thief, you know, in the northwest corner of Minnesota. What's your uh, What's your favorite place to kill a honker? Because I'm guessing you've killed them all over the place, North Dakota, South Dakota, Arkansas, you know, well, like where at. Um, before we got on the air here, we're having a little conversation about my favorite place to honker hunt, and I'm going <laughs> to leave it at uh, Manitoba. Okay. I'll leave it right there at that um, disclosed location for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, okay. you were you were saying that you you want a guide in Manitoba, right? Yeah. And so you had to get a dual residency in, in yeah, Canada. Yeah. So my dad was actually I was I was born and raised seventy miles from the Canadian border in Thief River Falls, Minnesota. And uh, how that happened was my dad was born and raised in southern Manitoba. Um, he had dual residency when he was born, so he jumped across the border. And uh, I was conceived, to say the least, long story short. <laughs> so uh, that gave me dual residency. Um, oh, no shit. So that, yeah, that, that grandfathered me right into dual residency. So to be a guide in Manitoba, I'm uh, currently in the process of getting my Canadian residency because you got to be a resident of Canada to guide in Manitoba. Um, so that's why I'm doing that. And so you can't just like buy an allotment. No, no, you can't just buy an allocation in Manitoba. Yeah. You got to have your Canadian residency to get a hold a guide license. So that's just state by state or province by province, I guess I should say in yeah. Canada then. Yeah. It's just kind of okay. like we do stuff state by state, different yeah. laws, you know, and that's province by province. They, yeah. they, uh, jumble their laws around a little bit too. Sure. Yeah. Yep. So is there a lot of people guiding out of Manitoba then, or is it kind of more scarce or? Um, I, I guess I don't got no number on that whatsoever, but as you can see across social media, you see, uh, very few people guiding out of Manitoba. I guess the only one you really kind of mainly see is Mitchitoba, you know? Yeah. Um, otherwise, other than that, you know, there's a few small guys and the thing, thing to do with that is I, I called on it here, I don't know, four or five years ago, um, when I first started having interest in holding a guide license in Manitoba and they had actually paused guide licenses for anybody mm. you can go through the process of doing the test and everything and you're basically in a lineup and once they their thing is they were so far behind on technology basically they were wanting to get a better grasp on what outfitters were killing in a year before they moved on with licenses yeah and their thing was first come first serve so sure. it was to get in line and um so governments are really bad at doing shit everywhere. Um, in Manitoba, I don't know all the provinces, but yeah, they're they're one of the slowest and farthest behind. Yeah, sure. But, uh, anyways, yeah. they do everything on paper. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing. I just fucking send it in. You know, literally, Mail they're starting in. to move to a computer system now. I think it was like couple years ago when you could first start <laughs> buying a license My online, God. and you had to buy your license, and it's still takes a couple months to get in the mail. Like, People oh are God. licking stamps up there. Right. Dude. I mean, you order Fuck. a deer license on online, It's you got to put your tag on your deer. You're still waiting two months for it. It's not just, you know, wow. just it out and happen. So it's pretty. It's crazy. You got to be uh, ahead of the game if you plan on going hunt up there. And what's your, yeah. what's your purpose for, what's your reasoning for wanting to guide in Canada? Is it money or is the hunting just that much better? Or? Well, I mean, just. A lot of your clients asking for it, like, give me the skivvy. Um, just. Long story short, pressure. Pressure's very, very low. Very, very sure. low. Yeah. 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 And that just makes it a lot easier on a guide. Yeah. Well, you've you've guided, well, I shouldn't say you've guided, you've hunted all over Canada, haven't you? And you think Manitoba's your favorite. Is it just because it's close to home or what? Um, 
it's just the time of year that it falls is the best, and there's just back to uh, pressure. There's the time of year it falls, everybody's busy doing other things, and there's absolutely zero pressure. I've hunted Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba, and I guess I wouldn't necessarily say it's my favorite province to hunt. I'd say, you know, Saskatchewan's right up there in the glory hole. Mm. But um, when it comes to Canadian goose, I'm definitely going to say Manitoba's my favorite place to be. And that's your that's your gig, huh? The goose. That's, that's your favorite. That's yeah, that's my gig. Anyways, I've I've started a, a snow goose operation in South Dakota and Sandhill crane hunting operation in Northwest Minnesota. Um, love to do them both. When I you've think. been pounding the fucking cranes up there too. Yeah, yeah, it's it was really good last year. Just kind of getting started. I started two years ago, ran a few groups, and then last year I think I ran six or seven groups, and we killed our birds every day except for two days last year, you know, out of, uh, I don't know, 20 hunt days or something like that. And this year I plan on running 30 hunt days. So it's small limit of only two, but they're very weary and smart birds. So that's when it comes to snow geese and cranes. I got to say they're probably <coughs> one of my favorite. Those are my favorite birds to put in the decoys feet down for sure. So you're just a glutton geese. for punishment. Um, you some, love get you love working hard for them. Yeah, I, exactly. I love putting a smart <laughs> bird in close. Yeah, yeah. What was your first introduction to like snow goose hunting then? Um, my first introduction to snow goose hunting, actually, I think I was 12 years old. Um, it was just me and my buddy blowing competition goose call, calling um, all across the state, Minnesota, and we were killing some honkers together, just starting. Oh, maybe we were, maybe we're 11, whatever, 11, 12 years old, and we got this wild hair that we wanted to go snow goose hunting in Aberdeen, South Dakota. So we told both our dads, which they didn't really give a crap to goose hunt, but they loved to see our energy in it. Um, so better than drugs, right? Yeah, that's right. At 12. Yeah. Um, well, dude, some <laughs> shit goes on when you're that close to the Canadian border, dude, some shit goes on up there. The world's getting weird, dude. It's coming <laughs> Fucking 12 year olds are doing drugs up there. <laughs> Anyways, Jesus, we got to annex that out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just have that go right back to Canada. But yeah, we went to Aberdeen, South Dakota, um, us two 12 year olds and our dads, and we killed one snow goose that entire trip, and that's when it got started. And I think 14 years old, I was at a calling competition in Fargo, and I got invited on my first private snow goose hunt. Um, so my mom hauled me to Fargo when I was 14 and uh, hunted with my buddy Tanner, and he hauled me out for four days. The next year, I did the same thing for four days. So that'd have been 14 and 15, and then 16 years old, I bought my own spread. And then I ran uh, for 12 days my first year when I was 16, and the goose hunting used to be really good. I think we averaged 112 a day for 12 days. Jesus Christ. So that's when it got started like crazy. And then, yeah, then Arkansas started, and I started guiding Arkansas seven or eight years ago. And then I started my thing in South Dakota, and it's been a thing ever since. Yeah, man. Well, because you're 28, right? 27? 28. 28. So, like, this dude's been guiding for as long as fuck i was like really starting to enjoy hunting that's what <laughs> that's Before just I was legal crazy. to drink beer i was yeah guy in the snow goose <laughs> it's just crazy to me man because i i can't imagine being that young and just saying like you know what i'm gonna buy an entire spread and i'm gonna take out adults well, out hunting honestly you know? what happened i just always loved to hunt i always told myself i'd never what we call sell out um to being a guide or whatever i wanted to keep it fun because i heard it kind of ruined it as at a young age and what, so far, it, yeah, it ain't ruined it whatsoever for me. I love putting a smile on a grown man's face like he's a kid again. There's nothing that gets me off better than that. Phrasing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That sounds sexual, but, yeah. Um, I was going somewhere with that until <laughs> Joe interrupted me. But. Yeah. 
You know what, man? I just like snow goose hunting. For me, is just fucking not great. He's he's never had a really good experience. Never banged him bad. You know what I mean? And like I've literally seen the huge feeds and like watched them and fucking got on fields they were in and they're not fucking there. And it's a whole thing, dude. Like, and I told I've said this before, but it's like if you're not like a snow goose guide. You're in a fucking bed of hot water, bud. <laughs> like it's <laughs> it's a rough deal out there to go out Dude. like try and DIY some snow goose. Uh huh. If you don't got some kind of intel, it's pretty tough to take a little three day trip and get on, yeah. get on them and mess them up. Like you're, it's it's you're looking for a golden nugget at that point. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's something that if you're gonna freelance and you don't got no intel from nobody, you better be spending seven days. I was I was just gonna ask you that. So for people who are gonna go freelance, you think it's gonna take at least seven days to get on one good hunt? That was a question I had too. How long yeah. do you have to commit to them? Yeah, I'd say I I'd say if you're just a freelancer, not quite sure what you're doing, but got a little bit of an idea, I'd say it's gonna be yeah, it's gonna take you seven to ten hunts to hopefully knock on the door of a hundred, you know, if you got some sort of 100 in a day you're you're saying yeah yeah i mean that's just if you got some sort of idea what you're doing you might have a chance at doing that you know and it's funny down in arkansas you always got you always got not to badmouth anybody but you always got a group or two that they always want something better you know you can kill 50 birds they're not happy you can kill 100 they're not happy they always want to touch 200 you know um that sucks we run five spreads so i work for snow addictions in arkansas and we were on five spreads down there. I can't remember the math I did on it this year, but out of those five spreads, it was like 70 or 80 hunts that were run, you know. Jesus. Maybe we killed 200 five times, four to six times. I don't remember. I ain't going to think about it right now. But four In to six one times. spread? So if you want to be one individual to come hunt to kill 200 geese, you're going to have to hunt, you know, 25, 30 40 times to even have a chance at breaking 200, you know? So that's well, and that's, and that's Jonathan, a lot of time. And that's Jonathan Olson's deal. Mm-hmm. And so he's got God knows how many people scouting at one time. And he, then the manpower to get in that field, pay that guy, whatever he wants. Cause it's Arkansas. Everyone knows there's money. Yeah. I mean, we don't get outrageous, so we don't run, run it up on any other guide service. Um, I mean, we'll pay what's expected, but I mean, we ain't going above and beyond at all. I mean, even if we got the money to throw around, we ain't going to do that to other people. Mm. So, yeah. So, okay, if you, like, let's say, you know, a, a guy wants to go and, hire you know, hire you guys. Like, he wants to come and, and hunt with snow addictions. Mm-hmm. What's, like, in, in his mind, he's going to come and pay for, like, three to five days of hunting? Yeah. What's, like, realistic to, like, you're going to have a good day? What is that, 50 birds? Yeah, you know, I think if... Uh, Personally, as a guide, once I bust 30 birds, like, it's a successful day for yeah. me, you know. Um, and once we kill 50, we had a great day. And if we kill 100, that's an banger. ecstatic. Like, that's yeah. a banger. It's just any birds after any birds after 50 are just all bonus birds. I mean, you had a great day after 50. Yeah, know? sure. That's my number. And a lot of people's number is 100, you know. And after that, it's just like you're just bonus burden at that point. It's It ain't about a number for me, honestly. It's, it ain't, it's just. It's about the quality of decoy and the quality of guys that I'm with. So um, since it up. is about a number for a lot of people, what's the <laughs> biggest number you've ever shot? Like in a group, guiding, whatever whatever it is, what's the most snow geese you've seen killed in a day? Cal, I cry a little bit because everybody around me seems to have some crazy numbers. But honestly, my best number is, uh, uh, oh, wait, wait, I did have one. I had a 596. Yeah. Five. 
Oh my I had one God. one five ninety six, <laughs> but other than that, I never killed over three hundred. What's the most you've ever heard of? Thousand. Um, yeah, I'm um, um, I'm gonna put it up there for Johnny O. He's got the top. It was the fall of eighteen's no secret. Um he he busted a thousand <laughs> a couple times. In the fall. Yeah, shoot oh three, my shoot three shells with limits. God. You know? That's three shells of limits. I mean, I can't imagine what could have been done with tube extensions. It's it been the thousands, you know. But yeah, Jesus, he busted a thousand a couple so times. Dumb. Yeah, but it was pretty. <laughs> it was really regular to kill three, four hundred that fall, you know. Um, but that, that's all coming from the guys that are living in the Dakotas, living in the Midwest pothole region that are right in there, um, and they they're there when it's happening. You know, you can't compete with those kind of guys unless you know somebody to call you at the right time. It's don't hold yourself true to those kind of people because you can't compete with them. For sure. When it's out their back door, they let feed sit for days, wait till the wind's right and stuff like that. Well, not only that, but they literally know everything. They know everyone. They know everything. They know what's coming and what's not. So let me ask you this then. If someone wanted to commit to it, they want to do a DIY hunt. You're talking about guys that like, Let's say they're good hunters, you know, like they, they kill them back home. They can blow a call. Like they know what they're doing. They got a good spread seven to 10 days. Can you give some advice to like those guys? Like, where do you, like, what do you, in your mind, what's the first checkpoints, you know, like, what are you trying to look for and see? Um, first checkpoint is do, I I ain't going to say a whole lot about it because we try to keep our secrets a little bit. I mean, it's getting to be kind of, uh. Uh, the information's kind of out there now, and it's not much of a secret, but... Maybe not maybe hunt. even, like, direction, you know? Like, yeah, all right, don't the, hunt this type of field. Well, like, the thing is, is do not hunt the big, giant masses that you see right away. I mean, it's just, like, you, they don't play. They're moving so hard is the thing. Those birds are breeding. They want to get north, so they... You may see them in the field now, and they may be in three different fields in the next two, three hours. Like, how are you supposed to hunt that right you know you and there is a way to hunt it but don't try chasing x hunting that you know um so you're definitely going to want to be lagged back in the migration if you want to tip for that what were the know? secrets that you think that are already out there well chasing juvenile birds yeah and that's the second half of migration yeah so let the first half fly by if you're especially if you're only going to take one trip let that first half fly by before you even think about getting in your truck Mm-hmm. Yeah, when people start saying that there's, they're not seeing birds anymore, that's time to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because okay. the dumb ones are coming up. Well, yeah, I mean, the snow goose can't breed for two years, so you got them dumb from one, from, from six months old to three years old, you know, probably. And uh, they start breeding after two years, but you got two years of migration that hang back. So that's the story of the juvies. What are they yeah. hanging back for? They can't breed, so they don't care to get north. It's hanging out on the beach. But they already know how to get up there? Yep. It's crazy, man, what they got engraved in their head. Yeah, no, it's, uh, they just don't care to get up there. They just, uh, ass in the sand, toes in the water, you know. They're just <laughs> staying in the warm weather. They just don't care to push snow and ice and all that. It's, they just lagged way back because they're not in no hurry to get anywhere. They but they're just, just feeding. They just do as they please. Hmm. Know? Yeah. <clears throat> so is your so in your mind, right? Like, let's say you wait on it. You know, you go out there. Are you like in your? Are you in your mind looking for check like checking boxes? Like, okay, like this is a good 
type of field? I like where this is located. Um, so I guess we're just throwing it all out there, I guess, whatever. <laughs> you don't have to um, though, man. Like you don't have to, no, but, but it's really no secret no more. I mean, it just comes down to location and timing for the year. They kind of got to keep a secret, but if you're hunting the migration, you're hunting the tail end and when you're hunting the tail end, say you're midway through the migration and there's, you, you found five, six feeds, you, you look for a feed that you pull up. And they're not blowing up all over the place. And when you glass them, you, you're looking for at least 30% gray. Um, when it's a juvenile bird, they're not, they're, they don't have their full plumage colors. So you're glassing them, and one feed may be all adults, and one feed may be 50% juveniles, you know, or 40% juveniles, and that's the feed you got to hunt. Yeah. You mess up and hunt the adult feed, there's only five, like, you're not going to kill them. The birds that you decoy are... All the babies leading the flocks, you know. So well, if you find I, five, six feeds, you got to glass through them. You got to find birds that aren't jumpy, and you got to glass through them and count out ten birds, fifty birds, and count which ones are babies, and find your percentage and hunt your best percentage, you know. And and playing the winds a huge thing too. If you got a a roost that's a mile to the south, and it's a north wind in the morning, that's the best situation. Is if any waterfowler knows birds burning burning you over the back is the worst thing. You know, yeah. first pass is the best thing. If you can get a first pass straight up the gut, roost in the south, wind out of the north, coming right up the pipe, you know, first pass, that's the best situation you can have for sure. What do you mean by burning you over the back? Oh, I, like like seeing that you have your hide and they go over behind you and they circle? So say your roost is to the north and it's a north wind. So you're set up for geese decoying coming out of the south, but they're coming out of the north, so they they got to fly over your back. And yeah, yeah, bank. to sit in your field. They have to. And I don't know what it is, but they get you on the back nine times out of ten as opposed to keeping them out front. Do you think that's because they don't want to land in that field or because they're just... Because they see you. Yeah, they're fucked. Yeah, you're fucked. They see you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's... Nine times out of ten, a bird flares. It ain't... if you. I mean, if you got quality decoys, say you're running full bodies, it's usually not your full bodies. It's... They see you, or they don't like yeah. your hide. Maybe they don't quite see you, but they see your giant A-frame, and they're sure. just not cool with it, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, it's all about the hide. It's all about the hide. What What is a decent spread number that, like, a DIY hunter's got to have if you want to play? Um, we run X's. We don't run anything more than 250. Yeah. No shit. I mean, everyone says big, giant spread. If you're hunting socks, I mean, you got to get bigger to hide. And if you're going to hunt whites and socks, you got to, I mean, you got to throw a 1,000. Um, 800 to a thousand, but if you're running full bodies, hunting edge, um, hell people kill them over 50 in Canada. Um, it's, it's when you're hunting an X, it's not about a bunch of decoys. It's about getting hidden in realism when you're hunting an X. They're coming, yeah. they're coming there no matter what. You don't need this big giant spread to pull them in. Like if you got them on a Coke can, they're coming to land on this Coke can. You don't need a bunch of decoys. You need realism yeah. and you need to be hidden. That's, yeah. that was what I was going to ask too was. With snow goose hunting, it's so interesting because they just, I swear to God, they're the smartest motherfuckers on the planet. <laughs> oh, man. And so when I went out with uh, David Goose's cousin's spread, and I was cold as shit out, and I'd been helping my buddy guide for like three years at this point, and I'm like, we always throw these huge spreads. We had these shitty silo socks with yeah. like the metal, like a tiny metal stake coming through his beak, you silo know? Silo sock? Yep. And, uh, and I hated them. And I was, it was so damn cold. Yeah. And I just, I was like, we need to find a flight line for these yep. things migrating. 
Yep. And it was there was snow in our field, and I'm like, fuck, it's the only place I got for permission. So whatever, brought a quad out there and set out 380 snow goose socks and like 60 full bodies. And there were so many geese flying over, I was like, fuck it. We just got to get out of here. And we laid in Tyvek suits in the snow, and then we put all the decoys not in the snow. And uh, that was one of the funnest snow goose hunts I've ever had in my life. Mm-hmm. And I, it, it got me thinking, it's like, okay, when you set this huge spread and they're expecting there's, like the roost has, let's say, 380,000. You have 1,000. Are they thinking that the field is already overfed because they're at this point of the field and you're on the edge? Or, like, there's just so many different variables when it comes to snow geese. And I've always thought if you have a smaller spread, it gives, like, the realism, like, it's just starting. Right, right. You know, is that kind of what your mindset is there? Um, If you're running traffic like you're talking about, you got to get bigger. Uh, you got to get a little bit bigger to catch your eye and break birds. I mean, I just, that's what I believe in. Um, and I, for the the feed starting thing and all that, I, I don't know. Uh, that's all theory, whoever right. you are. Um, <laughs> I, I know the snow use are going to land on the sound. No matter how big your spread is, your spread can be a mile by a mile and any birds you should kill are going to be hitting the sound. Mm-hmm. But it is amazing when you have a giant spread in the sound uh, how very smart geese will not get close to the sound. They'll get down low and ride your spread all over the place, but they won't come up close to the sound. Um, yeah, yeah. But So, okay, that brings me to another question, right? Because we debate all the time about, like, if you, you know, running, running an X-field for Canada geese. You know, are you like a big spread guy or are you like a, you don't need that many fucking geese? I mean, if you're on an X for Canada geese, like where are you at with that? So I was, I, I did turn into a big spread guy, especially when the silhouette thing got big and whatever. Um, turned into a big spread guy because it worked great. But now everybody's kind of on the silhouette game and everybody's throwing big spreads at birds. And I do not think that is the cake at all anymore. Um, you I think, think they're learning? Yeah, I think. Sorry, but getting back to a full body game and getting back to realists and getting getting small, not necessarily getting small, it's getting real, getting mm. real, real, not just big, huge blobs. See how many decoys you can throw in the morning. It's about being real, you know. So you're really going to be focusing on what your spread looks like. Yeah, you know, just uh, I'm gonna instead of throwing uh, thirty dozen dive bombs or forty dozen dive bombs, I'm gonna throw five, six dozen full bodies, and I'm gonna get out of them and hide on edge. Is what I'm gonna do now. Sure, because we've been talking a lot about it. Um, the A-frame deal, I feel like, is being overused now. And every time that we hunted out of a layout, dude, we fucking yeah, that's what Joey it. and I were just talking about a few weeks ago on a podcast. It's like you know the A-frame thing. We were running A-frames a lot for a couple years, and it was going good. And it seemed like not this past year, but the year before we ran A-frames, it just was not the shits anymore. This past season, all we did was hunt out of layouts. It was. Way better goose hunting. And so I told Joey, like, I'm only hunting out of a fucking layout this year. I'm not. Yeah, and, I mean, that's all we've gone to, too. I mean, if you got an A-frame hide where your A-frame looks normal, yeah, that's fine. But Tall grass on an edge you, or something. but Yeah, and you got whatever. Yeah, it looks normal. But if it's going to look out of place, yeah, it used to work, and it still does work. But if you want it day in and day out, you definitely going to be in a ground blind. Yeah. And it just sucks because I love having a heater on me, you know, <laughs> like when it's fucking cold. 
Oh, sometimes I still just sacrifice a few decline birds. You have to. Anyway, you fucking <laughs> have to. Dude. You have to, I'm like, dude. this is the gentleman's hunt. Yeah, we don't yep. give a shit. Yeah, we... Well, yeah, there's a certain <laughs> point where you've killed them and you're or like, you know Or your what? ground blinds aren't stubbled or whatever and the A-frame's already stubbled. It's like, yeah, let's just yeah. do A-frame. Well, that's oh, my yeah. thing, too, is I'm s- I fucking hate stubbling my layout blind, dude. It's like, oh, well, we were in a, a bean field yesterday and so we had the A-frame out, but today we're going into a cornfield and the stocks are high, so it's better to have a layout layout hunt. And I'm just like, dude, I do not want to wake up an extra hour earlier, See, stubble mine, and then everyone else's who wasn't fast enough. And our big thing, like for we're talking about running mass numbers of layouts, maybe not necessarily mass numbers, but say you're hunting a group of six to eight, and like you're saying, Joe, hunting a bean field one day, going hunting the corn the next. Um our little way around it, I guess. We've got some ghillie blankets and stuff, but all them blinds are going door to door. So what that does is take out all the sides of the blinds. They don't got to be stubbled, you know. And we'll take a trailer and everybody and rake up a whack of stubble and just almost kind of like the A-frame concept and just pile us in stubble, you know, mm-hmm. over the top. Um, when you get them door to door, then that alleviates what 50% of the blind for that sure you have to stubble you mm-hmm. know because yeah a guy can't keep up stubbling your blind day in and day out with the, the changing circumstances you go insane you, you can't it's just it takes the takes the fun out of it when it gets to be it's truly a job crazy man. it's truly a job dude I honestly believe, like somebody's got to come up with like fake shit that looks really fucking real like well so got, you could have the different because what i would do if it, if they came out with it is i would just have four layout blinds you know and then you've got one that's corn one that's beans one that's wheat one, one thing that's that grass. works really well that we use is um brian klein <laughs> turned me on to it it's uh it's called a madagascar grass so it's an actual real grass it's not synthetic looks plastic whatever it's a madagascar grass and it wicks water so it never rots it never changes color but it's still that natural earth tony color little green little brown light brown whatever in it Mm. and then like we're talking about putting them door to door say in a cornfield everybody rakes up a big handful of stubble and throws it in, in in between your blinds and some on the boots you're gone I mean, hmm. yeah, the Madagascar grass takes care of 50%, 60% of the stubbling. Throw your natural cover just over the doors and the boots. And Is it like something that you buy online type yep, of a deal and yep, it ships to you? Yep, you can buy hmm. it right in a box, ship it over, and it never rots, lasts forever. Fuck. So what, you just zip tie it to the... Yep, and that's another thing, too. You stubble and shit. Zip ties are your best freaking friend, man. Otherwise, that shit's falling out constantly. Yeah. Yeah. Everything well, I got the doors, is zip tied to the nuts. Yeah. It's the doors that do it for me. And you yeah. like go out and you pick up birds and you come back to the blind. And you're like, oh my god, all the fucking stubble's gone off. Well, it's of always it. the toes and the doors, right? So that's the thing too with those those ground blinds. I mean, you want to throw some stubble in the doors. You want to throw some stubble in the boots. Actually, in the in the stubble straps, you know, a little bit because yeah, it flies out left and right for sure. For yeah, sure. Hey. I'm, I, I, I learned something there. I've right, never heard so of Madagascar I. grass. Yeah. Yeah. Big fan. Giving away all your Because secrets. I don't like the fake shit. The fake shit doesn't look good. No, Like the, the fake, raffia grass, dude. The fake shit, shit just doesn't look good. <laughs> dude. What, what's those sheets of uh, uh, that, what, what's it called? That marsh grass or yeah. whatever, whatever mm-hmm. you call it. Shadow grass or whatever it is. A raffia sheet. grass. Is, raffia grass. Is, is that more what like, it is? Yeah. More like yeah. eat my ass. Yeah. Dude. Yeah, you look like a highlighter out there. For sure. Yeah. You're painting it and shit in the field. You're just pissed. You even bought it. Right, Fuck. right, right. 
Well, no. I mean, we hunt a lot of stuff that's like a lot of, you know, a lot of farmers around here and I mean, pretty much everywhere, but you can, if you can get lucky enough, a lot of those fields have like little fucking divots in them with grass. Oh yeah. So if you can go green and grass in the start of the year and yeah. then just watch it change colors, yeah. yeah, you can get into divots or like a field edge a lot in right. that grass, but yeah, man, there's a lot where like this past year I felt like it's like, nah, there's no other option, but you're hunting them in the middle of the fucking cornfield. Well, they've been pushing into the middle the last couple of years and it just hurts my soul. It's so hard to pull them even with good calling. Right, right. And the thing is, is if they're in the middle, you got to hunt the middle if it's a huge field. If it's a small little 40 acre silage field, for sure. Pull them to an edge, no problem, right? Yeah. Um, but you got yeah. 100 acres of corn. Well, you got to get in the yeah. middle sometimes. Um, so you everybody's getting onto the A frame in the middle. It used to work, used to work. Well, that same concept works for us pretty well, except use the A-frame concept, except ground blinds. Get on a lower profile. Use the same concept. You know what I mean? Use mm-hmm. Be a big pile of crap and be out of your decoys. Be out of your decoys, even though your decoys do not hide you ever. Like, no. They do not right. hide you unless you're hiding in whites under socks. That's the only time your decoys are hiding you. If you're putting your decoys around you, you're just boxing yourself out. You're hurting yourself. You know, it's, it's way better to sit out of your decoys and... <coughs> look like a big lump of crap than it is to look like a lump of crap inside your decoys. Well, I was going to tell you the analogy that Nick Johnson had on it. It's honestly genius. So if you go into your living room in the middle of the night, lights are on, and you notice that there's four bumps underneath your carpet, you're going to be like, what the fuck is that? Right. Right. However, if you go out there and you see a shoe on the carpet and you see like a blanket laying on the ground, you'll be like, oh, whatever. Yeah, you know that's a very good analogy. Exactly, it's a very good analogy. I yeah. was like, "Damn, Nick, that's right. It's pretty dope." Right. So that's like where the edge hide comes in. You can put a lawn chair next to a tractor or something, and you can shoot them out of your decoys, whatever. Right, it's pretty right. cool. That totally changed my aspect on your hide. Yeah, absolutely. Until you come to South Dakota and you're crawling a pit, <laughs> a hole in the ground, then yeah, you, you alleviate all of that, dude. Sure. I was I talked about it on the podcast when I got back from hunting with you when Roy and I went out with you. Yeah. Um. But, dude, that pit, Cal, was so fucking nice. The lids were some of the nicer lids I've ever seen. They were like cow panels. Right. Or like goat panels. Yeah. And then he had shit zip-tied to it. So you could still see through the lids pretty well. But he also had a bungee connected to like a board on the ground. So they're spring-loaded. So they're spring-loaded. So So when you open the door, it kind of pops open with you. Right. But they're so wide at the same time, it's like, oh, you do have to give it a little bit of a push. But if you and one guy next to you, because it's like three person per door. Sure. So that was pretty fucking nice. And the geese had no idea you were there. <laughs> Snow geese, Cal. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a ride. It's a 30-foot pit. I think it's five feet wide. Um, got a bunch of heaters in there for guys and stuff. And, yeah, no, everyone was real comfortable in there this year. And uh, we had one hell of a good year. Yeah. Dude, we I think we killed uh, 38 geese from the two days that I was hunting there. Yeah, yeah. It was a good yeah. day. That was a good couple of days. Yeah, well, what'd you hunt? You only hunted a couple hours the one night, and mm-hmm. then only and then we a shot, half day the next day or yeah. something like that. We shot like twenty five the next day, and then yeah. a couple at night or something. Yeah, no, and it's a it's a it's a migrator spread is what it is. So it's a traffic spread. You know, I don't know what we had out there this year. Maybe four or five thousand decoys or something, and <laughs> it's up on a giant hilltop around a, a beautiful lake scenery, and you're hunting migrating geese. You can see for miles. Um, and we did very well. I'd say we averaged right at that twenty to twenty-five birds a day, and in a migrator snow like goose spread. Awesome. Yeah, I don't think you can 
beat that. You got, I mean, there's there's a few individuals that I know that I'm going to tip my hat to that do very, very well. Um, they've been doing it a long time, but I know 25 birds a day is uh, nothing to be ashamed of in a migrator spread for sure. Because when I was helping my buddy guide, if you shot 10 plus, right. I was pretty jacked because there were a lot of three bird days where right. it's like, oh my God, now that's not only just because of the spot or birds flying. Right, right. It was a lot of clients not able to hit shit. Yeah. And they're sleeping and then it's like, hey, 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 hey. And you hit them in the A-frame and they're like, oh, oh fuck, what? Are, <laughs> right. Oh, right. oh, there's seven in front of me. Oh. Yeah. And then he unloads his tube and wings one. It's like, oh. And the nice thing about the 25 to 30 bird days, you still got a bunch of that, but <laughs> there's enough going on to keep everybody pretty in the game, you know. Uh, there, there ain't too bad lulls. Sometimes that one to three o'clock or something might be a hell of a lull, but that's time you go get launch. But um, from yeah, from daybreak to to noon, usually is a pretty good time in the pit for sure. Yeah, it was fun. We're, we're gonna have to go out there next year, and the lodge is great. Yeah, I don't know what it is. It's a couple thousand square foot lodge. I think we sleep 30, 40 people. I think there's <laughs> ten, twelve bathrooms <laughs> in there. Dude, it looks like a hotel on the inside, and then there's this really? huge like common area in the main. So Main what it is, is a a really, there's a really cool story behind that lodge, and don't quote me on everything about it. It's actually Pepper Slough Lodge. Um, go ahead and look it up, whatever. But it, it's actually a lodge that was an old pheasant lodge in South Dakota, a real old pheasant lodge, and it wasn't being used anymore. And uh, the owners sold it for, it was something like, $10,000, but like I said, it's a couple thousand square feet, 2,500 square feet. So it had to be moved. It was the big thing. So that was the big money thing there. And anyways, they poured a foundation, um, a basement in it, and they set it down, and the foundation crumbled. They had to repick it to 2,500 square foot building off the foundation and reset it back down. Anyways, they got her going and it's fully operational now, but they had a bit of a headache getting her put down, but it's a big girl. What the fuck? uh, (laughs) They crumbled the foundation when they put it down on it? Yeah, it was, I don't care. Remember the reinforcements weren't right or whatever. And they set it down and big old chunk broke out. They had to move it back, back off. Well, there's up. South Dakota building code for you, you know, just <laughs> fucking yeah. come on out, give her an eyeball. Yeah, but she's fully good. operational now, and uh, it's a beautiful place. And ain't ever had a mad person out of it. I was pretty, I was pretty impressed by the lodge. You like walk up to the front steps, and it's just like very grand. Is yeah. what it feels like, you well, know. What's the steps walking up thirty feet wide or something? Yeah, like that? no, it's yeah. like thirty feet, dude. It's like a grand entrance. It's right? handicap accessible too. There's like a big. Like handy, yeah, 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 ramp. Yeah, it was a pretty cool place. It's super sweet. That's crazy, man. Yeah, Jake, what do you think is the biggest mistake that guys make that are hunting Canada geese that are just getting started? Like, what do you think is the biggest mistake dudes are making? Oh, I'd say the biggest mistake is definitely trying to hide <laughs> in the decoys. Um, get out of your dang decoys. And the huge thing on a goose call is if you're struggling on it, don't do more than you can do. Like, honk, moan. Use your very simple notes. Don't try to blow out of your realm Mm because that is only hurting you at that point. Um, It's, I'd say the biggest mistake is, yeah, being being in the decoys, not, not stubbled up enough and blowing your dang goose call way too much, you know, when you don't know what you're doing. Um the best thing for uh, a beginning snow goose or a beginning goose hunter is to be as real as possible, be out of your spread, completely hidden, and 
don't blow any more than you know how to blow. If yeah. you've got birds coming, and you'll be just fine. Really rely on that flag. People sometimes put down the flag and pick up the call when really they should have a flag in their hand. You know how how much do you think a flag can really help you? Oh, definitely huge. I I what I really like a flag is help break birds, um, help center birds, and hit them on an edge when they're turning with a flag. Yeah, picking up the flag all the time. If I break the birds out of the flock and they come on over. And they're coming up the pipe perfect, and they start sliding left. I'll pick the flag up, center them back up. If they're going for another pass on the corners when they're turning, I'll hit them for confidence is what I'll do. Um, and sometimes sometimes you finish them with a flag. Sure. If you can realize that. But that's what I use a flag for is to break them and possibly, you know, center them up a little bit better. If they're trying to slide left or right, I'll pick that flag up and uh, try to put them in the center for us. Yeah. Well, how about this, Jake? Who is uh who's the person you think you've looked up to most in the hunting world? Um, give it to him right out of the gate. I only got to think about it. Um, Mr. John Olson. I'm gonna give it to him. Me and him are uh, really really good friends. As I was just getting started in the snow goose industry, I think I was like I said before. I bought my spread when I was 16 years old, and I think 17 years old. Um, Johnny always seen me killing some geese and kind of took me under his wing and we kind of ran together for a little bit and uh, I got another business that has nothing to do with waterfowling that uh, me and him are riding home in the truck one day from Arkansas that he spit out of his tongue in two seconds and I'm still doing it to this day eight years deep um, doing home inspections in northern Minnesota so that's off topic of hunting but I got to give the man a lot of respect because so he's like your mentor overall yeah yeah I, I I listen when he talks for sure cool yeah. Um. Well, he's a goose killing motherfucker too. Snow goose Canada's. He's an unbelievable goose caller too. Did you learn a lot of goose calling from him? No, I gotta say, I think I'm gonna take the cake on the goose calling against Johnny. Oh really? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he'd argue either if he hears this one day. <laughs> yeah. No. Feel free to cut open about the cranes too, boys. I'm, I really, really. Let's talk about I'm the cranes, I'm all about dude. the Canadian geese. I was huge on it, huge on it. But now I've started in this crane game the last two years, and I don't know. I'm starting to really figure out if I'm going left or right. What makes it? <laughs> what makes it? <laughs> dude, what? <laughs> what makes it that much better than a Canada goose? Dude, is it just the challenge or is how it I'm tastes? I'm not even kind it's of... It's a pterodactyl. S- I'm not even kind of saying I mastered... Well, uh, keep working. They're prehistoric. Yeah, I was gonna, there you go, Joe. I like that. There you go. Yeah, come on. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to say I'm anywhere close to a master Canadian goose hunter or anything like that, but once you kind of figure Canadian goose hunting out, it may not be good decoying that day, but sometimes they tend to just get too close even though they got you figured out and you're still killing birds when it comes to a crane or a snow goose if they got you figured out they ain't getting anywhere near you so when you fool something with that kind of intelligence i just i don't know the the reward is so awesome you know i'd rather kill honestly 10 cranes in the hole than shoot 30 honkers flaring at 35 you know it's mm. just that's i just i really like a smart bird and crane and the snow goose i think anyone can vouch for that are by far the smartest 
Um, so yeah, it's just, I've found a guiding and snow goose hunting and crane hunting, and I've put a lot of smiles on grown men's faces over it, you know? So what, what is so much harder and like, what are, what have you figured out that's like just different about crane hunting? Well, crane is one of the few birds that come from uh, prehistoric times, so they're extremely old. That's what the sharp beak's all about, and their height is all about, and their eyesight is all about. Um, Pet, what, so, do you, what do you mean on the beak? What does that have to do with prehistoric? Well, it was a defense mechanism from back in the day, mm-hmm. um, and still is to today. You know, um, everything from prehistoric times had some kind of crazy defense mechanisms. You know, of how hardcore it was for them. Mm. You know, obviously, we didn't live in those times, but anything that you see from those times is usually tall, beady eyed, and got some kind of defense mechanism. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't know what Claw it is about fucking eyes out. You right. Know? So that's a that's a crane. I'll, I'll talk about one instance from last year. Um, we're getting to their eyesight, I guess. They can just see extremely freaking well. So if you're not completely hidden, you're not going to decoy a crane, um, let alone you got to have quality decoys. But one instance I'm going to talk about a crane last year that I've never seen. And crane's not technically waterfall, but we're just going to classify them as waterfall now. Um, the craziest thing i ever seen is we winged a crane. I'd say it was like 12 inches up on his wingtip. We just broke his wingtip, and he sailed 150 yards or so. And I was walking up to that bird, and he was staring me in the eyes whether he should kick my ass or not. And I was coming up to him, and I was probably 50 yards out, and it's like a uh, a piece of fur and trap. A coyote, a fox, a coon or anything will chew their foot off in a trap to get away, uh, just their will to live. Mm-hmm. And last year I seen a crane with a broken wingtip, and he's smashing his wing like a woodpecker, and he never quit. I walked all the way up to six inches from him. And he acted like I wasn't even there. He just kept trying to get his wing off. And really? Yeah, I just, I'd never s- seen that out of a holy a, shit, a goose or a honk or anything <laughs> like that. He was chewing on his wing and trying to peck his wing off. You why, know, just, why do you think he was trying to do that? So that he could fly again? Yeah, it was just a burden to him, you know. So I'm sure that's what was going through his head, that if he gets this off, he's going to be able to go. You know, holy shit, that's just, insane. It is just a whatever you want to classify it as. It's just wild the will to live. Uh, Sandhill Crane has, yeah, that survival instinct, right? Right, right. That's I've never so heard great. that. Yeah, I've never heard of that. It's just first just time I ever seen it. I never heard it either. Yeah, I walked all the way up to him, and it was just like he was a coyote trying to chew his foot off in a trap. He wouldn't stop trying to get his wing off because <laughs> I've seen because I've seen Canada's. You know, get winged, and then they realize that they're fucked. Start and then, the, and, and then the person starts like getting closer to them. They, you know, bring their wings out as far as they can to get as big as they can to scare away the human. Yeah. And then they literally try to beat the shit out of the dog or the human, whatever. Right. I've got it on video. Right. Right. Like Joe Hines going up to a goose, and this thing squares up to Joe, and it made Joe back up for a second. He's <laughs> like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> and then he went and grabbed his neck and wrung it. Right. You know, but it's like I've seen that where they're like, "I'm cornered." And I'm coming through you, yeah. You know, yeah. but I've never heard of a a waterfowl and you see, trying to take yeah, off his wing. Yeah, and I never, I never seen it either. And yeah, you talk about a goose coming at you. Cranes do the same thing, but it's a whole other ball. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, they can actually <laughs> do some damage. three times as big yeah. with a beak that'll just break your. Thank fucking God face. they ain't got spurs like a turkey. That's all I got to say. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I've had their crazy freaking long toes, they're like turkey feet. You know, like carrying them back, and they're still halfway alive. I've had their feet grab me, grab my legs, and stuff like that. They'll latch onto my legs like a fucking 
woodpecker grabbing onto a tree or something like that you know it's pretty eerie feeling it's it yeah, like goosebumps yeah it makes you wring their neck twice as fast for sure <laughs> oh god yeah. do you believe in the rec specs for a dog um thousand percent i mean you can't take enough safety for those dogs i mean that's our that's our best friend out there um thousand percent if your dog's willing to wear them real comfortably and stuff uh absolutely put them on your dogs does moose wear them i don't run them on moose but i'm not gonna stand up for moose on the cranes either he is <laughs> not very pumped about him i don't know what it is about a crane but like i said earlier they're technically not classified as a waterfall bird so whatever scent they give off it's a predator scent really thousand percent yeah it's uh i don't I may be wrong, but I feel like I can speak for a lot, of, a lot of dog owners that have dogs that retrieve cranes. I'm going to put words in their mouth and say that that dog probably wasn't pumped to retrieve his first crane. Like it, it kind of has to be force fetched onto cranes to get them to start retrieving cranes. And some dogs do very well at it. And mine, he'll bring them back when you. I mean, he's force fetched, so he'll bring them back when you tell him to fetch. But I mean, he goes out there and he's. You can tell the scent in his nose is not, he don't, he's not excited about it. He's not a mallard or a Not like a mallard, a snow goose, or a honker at all. So interesting. So, like, totally different. Have you ever had your dog try to go get a coot? Um, (laughs) 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 oh, you coot killer, you. God bless. Um,. I ain't killed a coot in a long time, Joe, so I don't even know if I've killed a coot over I killed at least five a season. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Dude, I just get Hell, so pissed you off. you 20 a day. Light them up, dude. Yeah. <laughs> it's 15, but yeah. Is it 15? Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, every time I've sent my dog out to get a coot, she goes up to it, smells it, turns right back around, and I have to yell at her again to go grab it. Then she'll grab it. Well, I don't know if I'd classify that as waterfall. Either. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I think Man. it gives off a different scent. I mean, Dude, but they're a mud chicken. Me and Joey were on this little lake one time. So funny. I don't know if I've told this story or not on the podcast, Joe. Okay. But some guy pulls up in a fucking little <laughs> dinghy boat, right? And me and Joey are going out there. It's like a weekday at like 5 a.m. And it's just us and this guy at the boat launch and... This fucking guy, dude, he goes to the spot of the lake where, like, no one's hunting there, you know? And we're like, what the fuck is this guy doing? Dude, I, and he literally just rows his fucking kayak over to this little bay. <laughs> Where's this at, Cal? This is it's, just a ride like, home here. Yeah, 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 like right in this area, dude. Yeah. And he goes out into this little bay. And I'm like, he's not going to kill a fucking thing over there. And Joey's like, I don't know what this guy's deal is. No joke, man. Not Coot fucking limit. five minutes into the fucking day, into daylight, this guy pulls up, shoots one coot. One coot, <laughs> goes, gets his canoe. Calls it a day. Leaves. Instantly leaves. <laughs> leaves right away, dude. And me and Joey saw him at the boat launch, and we were like, what are you doing out there, man? He's like, I've killed every waterfowl species in North America but the coot. And, oh, I, and I heard really? this was one of the best lakes to shoot a yeah, coot Yeah, he's on. like, I heard there's a pile of coots out here. And he's like, sure <laughs> enough, I saw a beautiful fucking coot. Shot him. He's like, going on the wall. He's like, this it's is, all I was here for, man. This is the guy who has like a $200 wax canvas, like oh, Indiana yeah. uh-huh. Jones hat This guy's wearing fucking, yeah, this guy's literally been hunting since McAllister times. You know, it's just like, <laughs> right. that's all there was. No camel, but you could have McAllister. You Never know? judge a book by its cover. Right. Little did you learn he's OG. He's an OG. He was an OG. And him and I, in that same day, like, we were done by 825. Right. We were both out of there pretty quick. So that's why we saw him again at the boat launch. Yeah. 
And this guy, yeah, he's full wax canvas, McAllister and his little kayak, his old fucking dinghy kayak that he right. had painted up pretty good. And right. it's all just, yeah, spray paint camo. No this decoys. guy had his beautiful coot. No decoys, Nothing. man. Just rolled out there. Dude, is that even, is the coot even in the slam? Yeah, yeah. it, it is, is in dude. the slam. Yep. So that's what he was doing. That's what he was doing, man. He was just getting his coot. Yeah, yeah he said he was uh, mounting one bird of every. You know, species yep. or whatever. All oh, forty or oh, forty-one or whatever. Yeah, forty-three. He 41. had the king eider. He had it all. Yep. Um, the last one on his list was a coot. That's unreal. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty I, funny. I I really push people to do that. I'm not signed up for it yet, but I really push people to get signed up for that slam deal. Um, oh, what is that what, called again? Oh, well, it's, the National Waterfowl. Oh yeah. See, like I said, he's I, at game fair every year. Yeah, it's like the American Waterfall Slam. But it's, it's, like yeah, that. it's something like North that. American Waterfall Slam Association. But it's cool. They send you so my buddies in it. So Jack Nelson, he's uh, from Aleutian Island Waterfallers up there in he's Alaska. A stud. Yeah, they do very well up there. If uh, you're ever looking to kill your king eider, get up there and take a look. But, anyways, uh, he got himself signed up here last year, and he said it's, it's really interesting. They, I can't remember all. He said they send you a bunch of stuff, but one's a book with all the species that you need to kill. And then under that picture of, say, let's go to a king eider, um, they tell you the best places to kill them in North America where your best chances are. And then they also give you a section there to fill out when you killed it, your date, time, and to tell yourself a little story about it. Um, and then, of course, when you get done, you get your plaque and trophy and all that. But, no, he said it's really interesting to do. And I, I, I really um, push for everybody to get signed up for that because uh, – a, well, and who an gives a shit if it takes 10 years, you know, like, whatever, Who cares if it takes man? your like, whole life? Right. Or who cares if you don't even uh, accomplish it? But when you got that book in 50 years and you look back and you go, wow, I killed that blue-winged teal down in Mexico or that cinnamon teal down in Mexico or uh, that king eider in Alaska or the pintail in Texas or whatever, you know, it just... Real cool to look back on. I yeah, guess. that's one thing I'm, I'm going to start doing this year for Christmas. My wife got me a hunting logbook. Yeah. And I just, you know what, in my head, dude, like I'll remember all those hunts and whatever, but man, it's going to be cool when my grandkids someday, if they get into like duck hunting and they can read like my logbook from like the 2000s dude, so and that's it's like 2060. that's a huge thing for us waterfallers. So I got a grandpa that he's 82 and actually he spent a, two weeks with me in oh, yeah. uh, South was, Dakota. I met him. Yeah. What was his name again? Uh, Bill. Bill. Yep. Bill Whiteman. He's a cool dude. Yep. 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 Anyways, my gramps, he's 82 years old. He don't care to kill any big game at all. He's just strictly a wing shooter, and he's still doing it to this day. Um, I guess what I'm getting back to is uh, for a big game hunter, you, you kill a dozen big bucks or, or whatever, a couple dozen big bucks in your life. You're going to remember every story. You're going to be able to tell that story for the rest of your life. As opposed to a waterfaller, um, real good hunts stick out in our head. But a lot of them kind of get lost in the memory bank. And the biggest thing for us is notes and pictures um, to bring back all those memories as the years go by. Mm -hmm. Because it, it ain't about the stack. It's about the story behind the stack, 100%. you know. Um, 100%. Yeah, that's one of the things I've always said that, like, I love about, like, one of the reasons we started Midwest Flyway is, like, we've kind of documented a lot of this cool stuff. That's the coolest part. That's the coolest part, man. Yeah. Like, we've got video and, like, photos and, right. you know, right. all this stuff that, like, someday we're going to be able to look back on and be like... <laughs> You know, however long we do this for, or it right. goes on or whatever, like we've documented some of the funnest times of our lives and like, it's just sweet. Literally. Yeah. Some of the funnest times of your life. And it's so sweet. Like we got, 
I I talked about snow goose hunting earlier when I was at 14, 15 years old, going out with my buddy Tanner Cat, and uh, um, we got a video back from when I was 15 or 16 or whatever it was, and we watch it every single spring. We had a GoPro set up behind us. I think we killed 150, 160 for three, four months or something like Christ. that. But we have a full video of it, and that's our opening for the spring on our fun trip is sit down in the camper, drink beer, and watch that video. You know, and that's the only one we got, and we just play it year after year after year and laugh and cut up about it, you know. Mm-hmm. There ain't nothing better than that footage and notes. Well, sure. it's like uh, the first time we met you when uh, we had dive bomb out to the cabin. Yeah. Hunting was shit. Yeah. It was terrible. But that was such a fun trip with Costas and Tricky and you, and that was my first time meeting you. Absolutely. You know, yeah. and that's how we became friends, and we've stayed in contact, and we might even work together. Who knows? Absolutely. You know? it's, it's, it's cool what it uh, produces, the waterfalling industry, and that's the biggest thing is when you go out on a hunt, it give it your all, and, yeah, you want success, but the first place you'll mess up is expecting success. <laughs> Yeah, that's the first place you'll mess up for your trip. You'll turn your trip upside down, expecting success. You know, let it come with hard work. Well, and it'll ruin your friendship over it too. Absolutely, absolutely. I can't tell you how many trips that I've been on with someone, even like us two. You know, like him and I have known each other for almost twenty four years now. Like yeah. we've known each other since I was five. Right. Mm-hmm. And well, like especially doing Midwest flyways, it's like, dude, we got to make a good video. We got to like get all the content we need and whatever. And then the last couple of years, him and I like butt heads so many times. And it's just like, fuck it, dude, let's get back to fun and whatever, yeah. whatever content we get, fuck it and whatever. And we've just had so much more fun shooting less amount of birds, but like the hunt is absolutely more quality. It's flawless. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The last right. two years we've been way more on the same page, like, especially too, like I, you know, Joey's my favorite guy to hunt with because I feel like if we get in a truck and we're just going to go somewhere. I have no expectations other than I know we'll just have a good time. That's, so we can go anywhere. I don't really care where we're going. You right. know, like if there's a chance we're going to go shoot something or see a new thing. Absolutely. Fuck yeah. Let's just go do it. And and when we get there too, I think we're both pretty on the same page. Like you're just going to kind of fly with the punches. Right. Whatever comes your way. You might yeah. have to walk a mile to try and shoot them. You might not shoot shit. Right. You know, and yeah. it's just like, yeah, we'll just, you know what, dude, like whatever we get and whatever happens, let's just see what happens. Like it's just going to be fun. Just have fun, man. Best success comes with that, for sure. You know, the other thing is, uh, when I was at, I was at Dry Creek this past year, um, and obviously they have a crazy operation down there, but we had a couple days that were, you know, I was there, it was pretty tough hunting. You know, and I went down there to kind of hang out with Russ, my buddy who owns Dry Creek, and, you know, see it. So, like, obviously, once you've hunted waterfowl enough, like, you just know, like, if you go there with some mentality, like, you're going to shoot them you're going to be disappointed, like no matter what. Right. Right, So, I mean, obviously anyone that hunts a lot, you're pretty much going like, well, let's just, you're here to have fun. We had this day in the field, dude, where it was, we were on an X field, which was an X the day before, not an X today, you know, it just wasn't (laughs) working. And we luckily had a really good group of uh, guys that were being guided that day and they Mm -hmm. were all buddies. They were there for the right reasons. And right. There was a bunch of cows in this field, right? Yeah. And so we killed one goose, and this guy's dog goes out, gets the goose. Well, the dog was so fucking young and so pumped up with testosterone and energy. He takes the the bird in his mouth, and he's chasing fucking cows like 300 yards (laughs) all over this field with with the bird in his mouth the entire time. (laughs) Yeah. 
And I'm like, your dog is fucking cracked. You know, like, (laughs) we're all laughing our asses off at this dog, full goose, just a big fucking goose in his mouth, chasing cows all over the fucking field. Right. And I'm like, you know, guys, like, you're not going to remember the hunt we had yesterday because you're just going to remember the videos of this stupid-ass dog chasing these cows around all day. <laughs> exactly, right. <laughs> you one, know? one goose made a memory. For yeah, sure, man. Right. One goose in this this dog creates a memory for you, and, like, right. we killed them like hell that next day, and they just, you know, like, the whole time, they're going to leave there and remember that damn dog chasing those cows around. Dude, exactly. I can't remember how many countless hunts you have limits or whatever that get, like I said, if you don't got notes or pictures. They just get swept under the rug. And you have these crazy experiences that stick out in your head. Yeah, yeah. right. So let's go back to uh, that craziest experience in Arkansas. There yeah, you go. man. So, yeah, tell me tell me your craziest hunting story. So, I don't know. I've had a few of them, but one that's really sticking out in my head is um, the discrepancy between <laughs> hunting rights of a landowner and a land renter. Ooh, here we go. So we've all been here. Um, it's getting down to the nitty gritty end of the scouting night. Got clients in the morning. Um, I was guiding for Southern Prairie at the time, and Jed, one of the bosses over there, he came up with a feed uh, right before dark, and I hadn't seen it, hadn't been over there, had knew nothing about it. So he was sending me out in the morning, um, and he gave me the lowdown about everything. I knew where it was, knew how to get into the field. It was all hunky-dory fine we've done this plenty of times so we wake up early in the morning you know half hour 45 minutes earlier since i hadn't been there so we get into the field and it's a muddy damn mess if anybody knows arkansas and we get out in this field and um it ended up being bedded but we got permission from the landowner and in the contract, the landowner holds the rights, but when a farmer beds a field, he has it ready to seed. And if anybody knows Arkansas, uh, those beds are pretty huge to water drainage. And uh, we were out there at the four-wheeler at, it was 3.30 or 4 o'clock in the morning, setting decoys, it was dead silent morning, <laughs> couldn't hear nothing, and all of a sudden, I hear somebody screaming, hell. And I can see from about a half mile away this house. I can see the front door open, and the only light you can see in the house is the front door's lit up because you open the door. I can see a silhouette standing in the door, and I'm in the field in the dark, and there's someone screaming from this house half mile away. So the guy I am, I'm just, okay, I'm, I got every right to be here. We got permission. I'm coming over to see you at 3.30 in the morning. So I drive over there. I don't know who lives here. I don't know nothing about it. So it's Farmer Joe, whatever. And uh, he's got his door closed now. And I knock on the door and he opens the door, fuming, screaming, screaming, screaming. I got that field batted, you motherfuckers. You guys shouldn't be out there. You guys got no permission, all this. And I tell him, oh, you know, Farmer Bob, your landlord gave us permission. He says he holds the hunting rights, and that's who we got permission from. And I had to get this guy all calmed down. And about the time I got him calmed down, here comes his wife around the damn corner. <laughs> Craziest story. Comes around the corner in her robe, hair standing up like fucking Chucky. And she's got a two forty three bolt action in her hand. Oh, and oh she is ready to tangle. And... <laughs> 
I didn't know what to do, and thank God I had gotten her husband calmed down because he turned around, and he took a minute to get her calmed down, and nothing happened from the situation. But that was the craziest experience I've ever had. I've had – that's not my only gun that I've seen uh, in Can- uh, in Arkansas over permission deals. Actually, this year I wasn't in the spread, but John Olson, they had – Again, they weren't in the wrong at all, but they actually had 22 shells fired into their spread this spring. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know. I I think the farmer was literally firing at the spread to get the geese out of the winter yeah. wheat, so he thought, and he didn't realize that they're decoys, you know. Um, but, yeah, it gets, <laughs> Holy it gets shit. a little western down there for sure. Yeah. I don't know. It was southern hospitality for the longest time, but I think it's northern nice now personally that's fucking <laughs> crazy dude uh, yeah yeah well you no. saw a little bit of northern nice today didn't you um oh yeah 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 me and joe were shooting a couple pigeons today and yeah we seen northern nice today 66 year old lady come out uh in her jammies yeah just barely not showing skin um, <laughs> She was a good shit, though. Dude, she's such a fucking sweetheart. Yeah, she was great. My God, you're married? She almost fainted Yeah, when she found out I was married. And then Jake blabbed his mouth and said that I got a baby due in a month. <laughs> and she almost fucking fell to her knees, you know? Oh, God. You know? Yeah, once it slipped, I was like, oh, yeah, Joe probably didn't want to tell her that. I was like, she knows now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you uh, better bring that baby over here when you when you have her, or I'll come over there and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, Cal, that's my craziest experience. When's yours? Oh my god, what I is yours, know. Cal? I don't know. Not to put you on the spot, but see, this is fucked up because I just ask the question all the time, right. and now I don't. Joe, know, go I ahead never and interrupt have to answer the question. Yeah, <laughs> Joe, you got a crazy story? Wild hunting stories. Fuck, any I guns got, drawn or anything? Joey's like got that? a couple pretty good stories. Yeah, yeah, I've gotten a couple guns drawn. It doesn't I've, get any crazier than a gun drawn. I mean, can you beat that? <laughs> I've been threatened with guns, and then I've only seen one gun drawn on me, and yeah. I said, "What are you doing? You're going to kill me over this." Right, dude. And then he's like, "Well, you know, you're trespassing." I'm like, I'm not trespassing. Right. Look at, look at. I talked to him, and he said, "Okay, you know." And that one got dissolved pretty quick. But I was just thinking about. Um, I had a really good story about. It's the experience that makes it really good. So I'll give you a second to think. <clears throat> Wade Shoemaker was here for like a week, and I was determined to get this guy on a really good hunt, and I ended up getting him on like. Out of the seven days that he was here, man, six he got on like hunts. six <laughs> good hunts. Yeah. yeah. And the one that sticks out to me, like we, he shot a goose band, never seen a, never shot a goose in his life before yeah, that. Awesome. Shot a goose band. Wade's a know. great guy too. He deserves He's it. He's a fucking man. stud. He's a stud. Yeah. And then, uh, I was just like, well, you're going to the airport at what? 1130 tomorrow morning. He goes, yeah. And I had taken him to every part of Minnesota and North Dakota. Right. Like, we had just gone. We didn't, we didn't hear Joey did North Dakota, then we did Minnesota and Wisconsin. And Wisconsin. Week, so he just saw Bad all ass. the best of the best. So yeah. we got on a banger diver hunt with a really good mutual friend of ours and um, shot a limit of cans, bluebills, like, I mean, like pure Halloween in Minnesota. Right. Just like lights out. Colors. I mean, yeah. just beautiful, you know. Yeah. And he's from Louisiana, so he doesn't see divers and... <clears throat> whatever but the one that stood out to me is a a pond right by here and took a boat out and it's not a real boat launch you know it's in a guy's yard yeah and i had to use the bobcat to get my truck back out because the yard was wet it was a nightmare and then the motor wouldn't start <laughs> and the pond was frozen over 
and geese never roost on that lake. And they were roosting. They were roosting on it that night. And I'm like, come on. You know, so like everything was going wrong. And I think we killed like three mallards and two geese. Yeah. And man, they did it fucking so sexy. Yeah. I mean, like where it's like you you literally can't do anything better than that. They came from behind you. Right. You caught you waited for like eighty yards out. You do a little and they just Turn flip yeah. so hard and come right into the spread. And it's like, which one do we shoot? Right. Oh fuck. Oh, I shot a hen by accident, but she did it so well, you know. I just, just could like not. Couldn't not. And he was taking pictures like so casually, you know, because he's a photographer full time. Yeah. But the pictures that he got that day were just so fucking epic. He's unbelievable. And it was so genuine. Like, he got me a, a picture of me pulling the boat behind me, and I was wearing a red flannel. Yeah. Like, as we're hunting, you know, like, that's how casual it was. We almost shot our fucking limit that morning. Right. It was just like, we were just standing in the cattails, pushed the boat up next to us, like, right. no hide. And right. they were just doing it so hot. Perfect. Yeah. You know, yeah. so like that, that one stands out to me versus burning a eight man limit of divers. Right. Right. And shooting a goose band and yep. uh, shooting a, I think it was an eight-man limit of mallards in North Dakota. Yeah. Like, that was one of the best hunts of my life. And of that week, I remember the hunt next to home. Yeah. Where it's just like, doink, doink, doink. And we were just laughing our asses off. And we're, mm-hmm. like, talking. It's like, oh, shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Oh, 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 oh. He, like, just grabs me by my collar and shoves me down. And then these two mallards are just dangling right in front of us. It's like, come on. How about that uh, pair of mallards we killed two years ago when we are cooking breakfast? Oh god, that was a good pair too, dude. <laughs> Eating bacon. Well, let's set our bacon down here and kill these couple greenheads right here. <laughs> I told you about that. Yeah, didn't you I? did for sure. Fuck, man. I don't have any stories that are like someone got shot or something. You know, um, you know. And as I think about <laughs> someone like, got shot, well, like fuck, dude. Like, some that's people, a prerequisite. Some people have that shit to like tell. You know, mm. I mean, I feel like when you get a guide on here, they've hunted so much. When it's like a 60-day season, you know, when we travel and everything, I might hunt 40 days. Mm-hmm. You know, well, these guys are hunting fucking 60 days here, 40 days in Canada, 40 days in Arkansas. And mm-hmm. so, like, they just have so much more, like, time sitting in a field or scouting or whatever. Yeah. So I just have a lot, a lot less, like, uh, this guy pulled a gun on me stories, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, crazy, crazy hunting experience, like, one that comes to mind for sure it was literally just kind of like the perfect situation. Uh, I was hunting with Gavin Colas, who maybe you know of or know. Yeah, I met and him. And then Ben Buckholtz. Never met uh, him. Okay, nope. so, yeah, anyway, those it was just the three of us. We were hunting at Gavin's family's farm, and it was just kind of a gentleman's hunt. It was really late in the year. It was like December, kind of getting down to the nitty-gritty. It's colder than a fucking witch's titty out there. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. just <laughs> dude, awful. I, yeah. And you're like, oh, this just sucks, dude. And like, we're in layout blinds, right? It's like, you know, we're fucking 50 yards from the house. Right. You know, and we're like, you know what, man? Let's just like see what happens. Right. You know, there was still a decent population of geese roosting in town. Yeah. So we go out there, man, and it's like... 8 a.m. when we start. One of those late season hunts. You don't got to be out right away. It's too right. cold. They're not getting up. Getting and up once you know a day. what, man? We've yeah. probably been out there for like two hours. Yeah. And it was a really like light snow. Yeah. And all of our silhouettes were starting to get sort of just snowy. Or snowy. Yeah. You know, and getting yeah. iced over. Right. And we only had like 50 full bodies in the spread. Yeah. And I'm like getting to the point where these things are iced up enough that I'm like, you know, what, let's just let's just maybe pull these. And Gavin's like, we're pulling them now. So we pulled them out of the field. 
probably like 9 30 10 a.m and we're starting to talk about just packing it up and you know whatever we'll just live to be out in the cold Here another comes the day first. right oh well dude <laughs> out of fucking nowhere literally a blizzard starts okay it's uh-huh. white out conditions dude so fucking bad like it's dumping snow and you can't see more than like 15 20 yards like you're gonna go into his grandpa's house for a couple hours so you for can sure <laughs> right, yeah, right. yeah like well i'm not driving home right now right you know? and we're like sitting there cold as fuck yeah. it's like 18 degrees and i'm like you know what this is fucked like let's just go inside they're not gonna do anything well you can't see geese in whiteouts right so we're laying there man out of nowhere dude it's like the fucking floodgates have opened right and suddenly dude here they come you can't see them but you can hear them yeah yeah so you hear like a sexy like that one fucking moan (laughs) that one little honk right and i'm like you know well we might have a few geese man it's just like a hundred fucking geese, you know? Right. And we had already shot like three. This is when the limit was three. So we could kill six more. Yeah. Dude, no joke. These things come through. We shoot like three. Yeah. We're not even picking them up right. because we can fucking hear more, more of common. them coming. And it's so white out that we're shooting their buddies and they don't know they're dead. Right, dude. You know, the, the wind's thing. blowing so hard. They can't even hear the gunshots. Yeah. But we can hear them honking and moaning coming at like, you know, 200 yards out. Right. Yeah. And they, they're coming in. You can't see them till they're at 15 yards. Right. We shoot our last three go out and it's still just blizzard like a motherfucker you're trying to find geese in a blizzard right and all we can hear me and gavin are picking up geese and we hear ben like 50 yards away and he's like band you know and he's just yelling band and i'm like this guy's fucking with us comes back sure as shit man shot a band right dude. and you know it was just like such a cool thing that it was a blizzard Mm -hmm. and like we're packing up we're done hunting and all of a sudden, you know, they're 15 yards in so you your talk fucking about, face. Talking about a blizzard, and for all you guys out there, don't miss a blizzard if you're in the area. That is some of the best time to hunt. I'm going to tell uh, a story, kind of go off cows here, that it was kind of like a whatever hunt. Um, it was me and my buddy up in Manitoba, just two men. We shoot our geese in the morning. We had this little spot beside this tree row that... There was never any mallards there. There was always 20 to 40 mallards, 50 mallards, sometimes 100. But, I mean, what is that really when it's sunny, bluebird days out? I mean, it's one flock maybe and done, you know. Mm -hmm. So we let them sit there for like a week and a half, never gets any more, never gets any less. And all of a sudden we start killing these geese that morning. We kill our limit. And all of a sudden it starts just like Cal said. It starts in on us, that snowstorm. And my buddy, he ain't done killing for the day, I guess. He goes, hey, let's go try those ducks. <laughs> and I said, go try the ducks? What ducks? And he goes, those ducks beside the tree row. I'm like, the 40, 50, 100? Like, who knows how many are even there? You know, sometimes it's 20, sometimes it's 50, sometimes it's 100. It ain't nothing ever crazy. Well, let's just grab six decoys and a mojo, and let's go stand in the tree row and try yeah. it. All right, whatever. So the duck gods must have been looking out for us that day because we parked trucks down the road. Sure as shit, we pull up. There's like 18 mallards sitting on this spot, and you can see where they got it all melted off from the snow falling or whatever. There's like 18 ducks sitting there. And there's this little pond like half mile away, but we don't know what's on it. And we're walking through the field with our one mojo and six dive bomb decoys, and a hen mallard flies over, and I kill it. 
So it's like I said, the duck gods are looking out for us. So now we got one hen mallard. We ain't skunked. We crawl in that damn tree <laughs> right. row. We crawl in that damn tree row, and I was I was positive that was the only duck we were gonna have in our hands. And it's snowing like crazy, man. We put that mojo out in six fucking dive bombs, and uh, whatever there was, a hundred or two hundred mallards. They all came and did it two, three times, and we killed. It was it's eight ma- eight eight mallards a piece in Canada. We killed our sixteen mallards and our honkers that morning. We walked out at noon, and it was the coolest thing ever. So what I'm saying on that snowstorm is, you may have a small feed, but you're gonna cycle through those birds multiple times because they want to feed so bad. Yep, in that they have snow. to. They have and to, and they only know that one spot. Yep, they can't search for food in a snowstorm. They have to keep coming back to that one spot. And we kept beating the brakes off them. We just touched off on our limit. Last bird and the snow stopped and the duck stopped. No, oh, yeah. Didn't see another duck after that. You know? It's so funny, too, because literally that's the exact same thing. We shot that band, dude, and like 10 minutes later, the snow stopped, and we picked up the spread, and no more geese were coming. I done. mean, that was it. It was yeah. done. Yeah. But if it, like, keeps on snowing, you know, like like snow geese, for instance, uh, I'll go to a story from this spring, going back to my buddy Tanner. Um, he's super underground. Um Keeps it pretty private, and he just went out with his uh, our buddy Aaron. So it was Tanner and Aaron out on a snowstorm on adults hunting the front push, the very first half of the migration. And uh, I guess we're laying it out there, but um, <laughs> the first half of the migration, you want to get in between a couple feeds on a piece of water or something like that. You don't want to try hunting eggs. You want to get between a couple feeds and hunt a piece of water so they're transferring back and forth. Anyways, they did that in a snowstorm with no decoys. What? They started killing geese in a snowstorm with no decoys, just over an e-collar, shooting them, pass shooting them, basically. But they were plenty close. Well, they started at 10, 15, 20, and they set them up um, like the Native Americans used to do back in the day. They set them up just like decoys, and they ended up killing 75 or 85 for two of them. <laughs> oh and they ended up, it ended up not being like just a pass shoot in the snowstorm over an e-collar. It ended up they ended up decoying the hell out of them over dead birds. Oh my god! In the snow, just like pigeons. Yeah, it's just so you can you can really manipulate something in the snow if well, their survival it, instincts kick in. They're uh-huh. like, I need to feed to survive this right. snowstorm. Right. If you can get them to hear you or see your decoys in a snowstorm, it's game on. I mean, it's uh, it's a very special thing to be a waterfaller in the For sure. Storm. And, yeah. you know, both situations you're talking about, and I didn't mean to cut you off there, but, Mm-mm. you know, both situations, the mallards and the geese that we were hunting, we, you know, we're in the perfect situation because we're both within a mile of where they're roosting. Exactly. Okay. And so, yeah. like, they're not going to go far. Right. But if you know you got a field that is in their flight line when they're going to get up to try to feed quick and go back to that roost. Right you're in a really good situation if Absolutely. it's fucking snowing. Absolutely. The best thing, if you're a snow goose hunter and you know a snowstorm's coming, it's completely against everything you would normally do. But a snowstorm's coming, go find as many geese as you can. It doesn't matter what they are at that point. And when that snow starts falling, have yourself a couple dozen decoys on the ground with an e-collar, whether it's next to their water or on their feed field, and you're going to have a good time. Yeah. <laughs> no, Jake. So the first time that you and I really hunted together was uh, at the lodge, 
and uh, we went out on some big ass water. Like, yeah, we went out on big ass water in Joe's twelve foot flat bottom <laughs> fucking combo. <laughs> yes, dude, dude, we were yeah. carting kids out. We took several trips to get everyone in the decoys out. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. it was you, me, Chelsea, Twistle, Molly. And was that it? That's it. That's it. it. Yeah. 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 We had a girl out there for breakfast and everything. It was several trips out. And the, the way out was beautiful. It was it was great. No, Gorgeous day. No problem. A little chilly, but no, no problem at all. Um, I almost tipped over my waiters, but I uh, ended up not getting wet. So we were doing good. Cooked breakfast, killed some birds, had a great hunt. And the way out is a real story. <laughs> Um, so we start carting people out and like we said on the way in, it's several carts in and out <laughs> and, uh, we got a 12 foot John boat that's no thicker than a goddamn Coke can. Um, so oh, here we go. <laughs> he takes first load out and as he goes out, it's probably 15, 20 minute rounds. I'm taking a nap with my dog on the Island and the wind comes up to where it's, there's sheep rolling across the water. It's white caps. I mean, they're breaking for sure. Sheep it's, rolling across it, the water. Oh, yeah. You got and some. we're in a little bay right out of the, the river mouth, <laughs> but it's probably a 300, 400-yard run across. <laughs> Joe's motor, like he talked earlier, is a little sketchy, and uh, the 12-foot boat's a little sketchy. And <laughs> when he come across that water, come get me, it looked like he should have been in a, a – 22 foot freaking lund or something like that but no he was in a 12 foot flat bottom and uh he made it out to me and on the way back uh, i made sure to put my life jacket on i could feel the floor flexing i could see the waves rolling through the floor of the boat oh, yeah. the whole boat flexing and um taking small water over the front of the bow as we uh hit the river channel and we all kind of looked at each other like happy to happy to be out of here it was it was it was it was something else yeah i had never been in a 12 foot flat bottom john boat with a freaking 10 horse motor on it going dude that brings me another story though do it well before you do that and then chelsea was the last person his girlfriend that i was trying to get out of there and so it was just her that's it and i think it was like the guns yeah but like we'd be very calculated and we had no time to figure it out so it's like okay we're going to put the A-frames in one person in the first ride, and then we're going to come back for one other person and all the decoys. Then the next run is going to be more decoys in one person, and then Chelsea and the guns, right? So when I'm coming back to get Chelsea, dude, there was no weight in the front of the boat except for my dog. Yeah. And that boat literally, so like this is like flat, right? Yeah. The boat was like this. The Joe, whole way to get Chelsea. Like straight up and oh, down. Oh, it was straight up. And Dude, down. it was literally straight yeah. up. It had to be straight up and down. <laughs> like, or I was, was taking water out the back. Yeah. Oh, my God. No, in every wave, it just kept going. Like, I could see more water coming up, and I'm like, oh, do I just, like, diagonally cross across the waves? Didn't matter. The wind was so strong. It was, like, yeah. 20, 20 knots. Yeah, we were, we were definitely undersized for sure. Well, and we had such a good hunt, dude, that I brought Chelsea out of beer. Like, as we're, like, I'm going to pick her up. And she has a Snapchat video of us driving back and she's trying to take a drink of her beer and she's just getting <laughs> splashed in the face with bush oh, light. Yeah. <laughs> Dude. Yeah, no, Dude, never that, forget that. That one. definitely brings a story to mind too that I guess I kind of forgot about. But like when it's actually a video that we filmed, it's Laughs and Limits. It's on our YouTube channel. Dude. 
Dude, this was some sketchy shit. Dude. So we go out, dude, Bro. and it's like it's just me, Joey, and Connor. We're at the lodge. We're hunting big water. Yeah, right. And we t- we had my dad's boat, and my dad meticulous as he's fun. a meticulous fucking guy. So like he bought this John boat, which he quote unquote said was just going to be like you know the boys could just fuck it up. Yeah, right. right. Well, that's not how my dad rolls, man. No, so I- he buys this boat. He fucking welds diamond plates to all of it. He's got this thing painted fucking sexy. He's got lights run all through this thing, carpet yeah. in it. I mean, it's like to the nines. Right. The nicest damn John boat in the world. Literally. You know? right. Literally. Right. Okay. And it's just a 16 foot, 1648, yeah. you know, like a little Lund. Yeah. And he's got a 15 horse motor on it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which is just fucking perfect for what he wants it for. Right. Well, we take it out and you know what? On the ride to this spot, it's like a five-mile boat ride. Yeah, five-mile. Okay. Five-mile boat ride. <laughs> five miles. Which, you know, on the way there, you know, it's we're going with the wind. It's almost no wind. Shit's clear as glass. It's literally like the most bluebird, beautiful day. Wind's always Humming, down man. in the morning. It's perfect, Always dude. down in the morning. Well, it's we're always. hunting. It's like 11. We've shot our limit. And we're like, well, let's, let's go home. Let's get out of here. Packing it up. As we're fucking packing it up, sure as shit. <laughs> Twenty-five miles, thirty mile an hour winds, fucking ripping off the lake, white caps. We've got like ten thousand dollars worth of camera equipment. Oh, okay. We're like, what the fuck? Yeah. So it's me and Connor and Joey. I take off my Delta jacket, which is my waterproof jacket. Oh yeah. Because we had to wrap all the camera Camera gear up. Yeah. So So we're like taking off our own waterproof shit to wrap up this fucking (laughs) shit that's camera gear. Yeah. Our own lives are important. The camera. We're on the way back. I've never seen that much fucking water in a boat, bro. Not in my life. We had eight inches of standing water in that fucking boat. Well, and here's the thing: it's Cal's dad's boat, so Cal's like. I got to drive the boat. You know, if anything goes wrong, it's on me. It's my dad. I'm like, cool. Then the waves start ripping. And he's like, hey, Joe, there's not enough weight in the front of the boat. You got to drive. So Cal at the time weighed 300 pounds or whatever. And now he looks great. He's Adonis. You know, I looked great then, but I was just, (laughs) yeah, he was big sexy. So now he's little sexy. So now we had to have Cal in the front of the boat so that the boat didn't flip. Because we were taking fucking serious waves and the boat was like, Joey's in the front of the boat and he's riding air. Okay, and I'm like, this is not. I'm like taking water in the mile every fucking dude, wave, dude. We're taking four inches of water, dude. In the boat. Lake like, of the gonna work, Lake dude. of the Woods chop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bad no. deal. So yeah, I'm like, Joe, we footers. have to switch. I gotta sit in the front and weigh this thing down. So I'm sitting in the front and I'm facing them, just taking <laughs> dude fucking every wave, tidal in waves back. into my back, bro. Like I'm not. I literally have never been so fucking wet, wet sitting in the goddamn boat. I've been less wet just jumping out of the fucking water in the summer after I was going swimming. <laughs> right, right. All right. Dude, like yeah. I got a little like standing water right. in my fucking. Balls. All your cotton's just soaking Man. up. Yeah, dude. Forty five min- minutes into this boat ride. We had so much water in that fucking boat. We had to beach it. Holy we had to beach the boat fuck. and bail fucking water out of this thing, dude, just to put it back in and ride no village pump in there. Forty-five no minutes not. back to the fucking Trash. boat launch. Hour and a half in that boat. Trashed the electronics. Trashed all the electronics. Fucking ruined everything. We thought we were gonna die. We actually thought we were gonna. We really did. Sank. Like we were actually all. <laughs> dead silent not saying a word and we got so much water in that boat and joey's like we have to beach the boat and i'm like no and he said if we don't beach the boat 
we're going to die. The boat is going to beach itself For on sure, the bottom. For sure, dude. Like, we were yeah. literally riding like an inch of gunnel at a certain point, you know, and Joey's like, we have to. So we pulled over, yeah, bailed water, got back in it for 45 minutes, had another seven fucking inches of standing water in that boat. I've never seen a tidal wave come out of the back of a boat when you pull a plug like that in my fucking life. Dude. Right, right. When you that put thing it on the trailer... Running, and it goes like it against the bumpers. It like didn't yeah. want to go on that fucking trailer trying to bring it up with the winch, dude. There's like so much weight in it. The anchor. boat was like yeah, not right. coming up. That's where yeah. you snap the rope. We had to get it on like three quarters of the way and right. pull it out of the water and let it drain. It drained for forty fucking minutes, dude. Holy <laughs> fuck! Out of the out of the plug. You guys are wild Indians. That yeah, no, I'm a I'm a dry field hunter. My my crazy <laughs> stories come from guns getting pulled in Arkansas, and my one crazy water story comes with Joey, and that is the only crazy water story I have. And I happen to be with Joe. Oh, dude, I'm excited though. I'm excited for I this year. I usually like to keep my feet on dry ground. <laughs> Towards the end of the year last year, I bought a 17 and a half foot Lund. And it's nice. a deep gunnel. It's a fucking big ass. It's a big wall. water it's like boat. a walleye style boat, dude. Yeah, and it's so sick. It's. Just I mean, sexy. if you truly want to hunt the big water, big big water for ducks, like it's a bitch to hide them or pull them up places. But you gotta you have gotta a have them, dude. dude. You gotta have a V bottom. The other thing is, man, those old lawns, dude. That thing floats in like eight inches of water. Eight inches, right. Jake. Right. You know, which is just shocking. Like, like when we when we got it, we were like, I don't think we're going to get to some of these spots. And, man, she just rolls through that bitch. Yeah, and put, like, a shallow drive motor on there. And Well, dude, I've got, go. a, yeah. I've got a fucking uh, 70 horsepower. Nice. Just short fucking little <laughs> short shaft Johnson. Or whatever. Short 19, shaft Johnson. 1929. 1978 Johnson. Bonus. And it's got, I kept the windshields on it. When I first got it, I was like, we'll pull the windshields off. But now I'm like, we're Fuck leaving them on no, there, dude. No, you don't pull it's got the windshields the, It's got off. the center windshield that folds over. and Rolling oh, style. 70 miles, you know, 70 a horsepower motor. We're going like 40 miles an hour. I was going to say, it's yeah, just... 35, 40 miles an hour. Just rip it. No problem. <laughs> yeah. All right, Joe, I'll come hunting again if we're hunting in that. Yeah. That, that. So, dude, Tell me that wasn't one of the coolest hunts ever. Though. No, that was great. But if we ever go out in that twelve foot flat bottom again, I'm taking out better life insurance for sure. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Chelsea and Chuby deserve it. Yeah, you yeah. know, at least someone will get something. Right, right. At least no. someone will be able to make good out of the situation. <laughs> no, we knew we knew after a few sketchy situations and some little John boats, which honestly, I'm just shocked that we even did it. <laughs> Like the twelve Dude, foot boat, the sixteen if foot will, boats. There's a way, man. There was another time when we went out with fucking Raider. Do you remember? I that? wasn't with Raider. Yeah, you were. Me, you, and Raider went out in that little lake and oh like, Pat, home, Pat oh Raider. Pat, and it I was got Joey. Joey had a fourteen thirty six John boat, <laughs> and we put three guys, thirty six decoys, and a dog in that boat. We were riding an inch of gunnel on the way out there, right? And it, a storm picked up, dude, and it was thunderstorming, and we we're like, we have to go. Sketchy. And we Joey had already dumped himself in the water. He was in water up to his goddamn knees and his waders. Right. Guys got hypothermia. I'm yeah. like, I couldn't operate the boat. I, I was like, drop yeah. me off at the car. No, I legitimately, yeah, I was Man, driving. No, I literally couldn't well, operate. Here's, yeah. here's the best part, though, dude. Motor wouldn't start. <laughs> had to use the fucking trolling motor the whole way back on literal white caps, dude. White caps and a 1436, three guys, a dog, and 36 Lucky decoys. Lucky you had like, the trolling motor. So yeah. Well, the the waves would have brought us back anyway, but... Yeah. Dead. Dude, I, way to look the waves would have brought us back dead. Yeah. yeah fucking float up <laughs> next to the boat. Yeah. Right, right, you just right. get You just get those moments where you're like, you just realize your motor functions stop working, and you're like... 
oh, this is bad. Or when you start You are slurring, Jack from Titanic. Or you start like <laughs> slurring your words and like you're not making sense and everyone's like, what the fuck? Right. And you're like, I need to go home. I need to go home <laughs> right go now. Home right now. That's happened yeah. to me too many times, yeah. honestly. Yeah, bad deal. You know, like when it's cold out, my hands turn red and whatever. And it's like, I think I have permanent ner- nerve damage. To my Probably do. <laughs> Honestly, Probably dude. Do. And Roy is like, yeah, I think it's your diet. No, I think it's because I'm a dumbass duck hunter. Yeah. For sure. I think that's oh, yeah. what it is. But you know what, though? I've hunted a lot of great fields. There is nothing better than mallards on big water just committed. You no. think, Cal? Oh, yeah. <laughs> the dry I do, field man. mallards Fuck are them. nasty. <laughs> I do it the same way mallards, every fucking time. you know time. what, dude? I'm with you though. It's there's there's props to every situation. Now, honestly, I've kept my feet on dry ground my whole life, and like I've talked about earlier, I'm kind of getting on the crane thing. The snow goose thing will never go away because that's my bread and butter. But um, I'm really sought after, like we're saying, the book and all the North American species and stuff. I'm really sought after of getting on the water and hunting bull divers. That's what I really, really, really want to do. I mean, I've yep. killed a pile of mallards, killed a pile of honkers, all whatever, in dry fields. But you can't find a you can't find a big bull diver on uh, dry land. Right, you right. Know. It's the North American Waterfowl Challenge. That's what it is. There, there you, you go. go. There yeah. you go. Thank you. Yeah. All right, buddy. Well, hey, thanks for coming on. We'll have to get you on some big water in a rig that's made for it. Hell yeah. It'd be a good time. <laughs> it was a pleasure. <laughs> pleasure being here. We love you, Jake. And then uh, what's your guide service called so that everyone knows? Um, So, uh, like I said, it's... Uh, or just put up your phone number, whatever. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's just been up and coming. I've been guiding Arkansas for seven, eight years, but uh, the snow goose thing for me in South Dakota is two years old, and the crane hunting now is uh, getting to be three years old. And we're working on the website and decal and everything. It's going to be called uh, Forever Fowl. Um, we're going to decal. I like that. And uh, getting a website put up. But, yeah, no, it's uh, it's legit. Everybody that seems to come seems to have a good time. So, uh, How do people well, find you on Instagram? Um, Jake underscore Whiteman hunting. And uh, go ahead and hit me up. My phone number's on there, a private message, whatever. And uh, we're getting ready for cranes this September and October. Um, I'd say 50% of the dates are taken, but... Um, Come on, Northwest Minnesota Cranes. It's a it's a good time. It's the only place in Minnesota that you can actually shoot cranes. Yep, Northwest Corner, and I believe I'm the only one doing it. So Hell yeah. Thanks for coming, man. Make sure you guys check us out and everything else. We'll see you guys soon.